Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Don't Play With Your Salvation. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode two of two. Okay, so we hard shifted, or for my non-shifting crowd, we forgot to use the clutch. So we depart from the non-believer for a minute, otherwise we may lose them if they are not 100% in. Suffer. What a gift. A very necessary gift that we need as Christians. Suffering is not your enemy, but your well-suited friend. And if you let it have its way, it will shape you into a fine, good-looking Christian who can soldier through anything. Verse 17. For the time has come for judgment, to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So you know that I like the scripture chopping study method. Sometimes, because it chops up the scripture into smaller bite-sized pieces. I believe that the house of God is in judgment now. Not saying it hasn't been before, but in my generation I see it. With so much of the absence of God, that is the Holy Spirit, from the churches of today, Is it any wonder why we don't equip the saints for the work of ministry? Is it any wonder why the world lacks strong Christian leadership? Where are the disciples that remain? Where on God's green earth is a plethora of signs and wonders the world so badly needs? How do we end up thinking mediocrity was a high watermark? Since when did size become the goal over quality and character? Listen, I say listen to my message on church purpose to go deeper on this subject. But suffice to say, because we are not obeying God, he has entered into the bedroom, sat down next to us, and is explaining why we are about to get spanked. I think it works like this. Obey, obey, and his discipline goes away. Verse 18. Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Oh, so I am saved, Ken, and I'm going to stop listening as you are being unnecessarily hard on the believer and the church. So was Jeremiah, Isaiah, Hosiah. Oh, well, you get my point. According to Revelations 19.7, the bride makes herself ready. And if you consider yourself a part of the bride, then we have to make ourselves ready together. Together. This is Peter saying that we, who are scarcely saved, I would not hang on to anything that will dim the light on this verse. I think Peter wanted to ensure that we would not also say that I would never leave you, Jesus. Even if the others do so, I will not. Matthew 26, 33, 35. So verse 19 states, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Did you know that a part of the will of God is that you suffer? What? I said, did you know? that it pleased the Lord to bruise him, that is Jesus, his only begotten, to place his own son on the cross. Isaiah 53.10 So what say you in his majesty? We think we know stuff, but in truth we know so little of ourselves to think or believe that suffering is something altogether to be avoided in the human life. In Hebrews 2.10 it states in part that he was perfected, yes, Perfection was perfected in suffering. 
how much more are we too on the perfection journey? It is not so weird when you think about it in this more human way. Navy SEALs are perfected through much suffering. Athletics are perfected through much suffering. Musicians, see it? Do you see it now? So don't let suffering throw you off guard. The next time it visits your doorsteps, invite it in. I heard or read someone say that we are all just one heartbeat away from eternity. This is a sobering thought if you end up on the wrong side of it. You really don't have any idea as to how long you will be on this planet. You could be at the top of your game doing everything humanly possible to maintain a superior, super, healthy, healthy lifestyle. And out of nowhere, plop, plop, you are now his. You now see the truth, period. If you are a believer, then I suggest, if you are not already doing so, for you to get on the ball with your ministry, calling, and purpose. Listen, we are not talking about earning your salvation. We are talking about your response to your salvation, which should be to engage in the battle for Middle Earth. It's the smallest part of the earth, like the body of authentically born-again believers. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Luke 13, 23, 24. But back to the plea to non or unbelievers. If you know you are one of those, and you know you have been waiting to receive Christ until you get as close to a deathbed experience as possible so that you can live life on your terms for as long as possible, then you may want to consider that you may not get a chance for a deathbed conversion. You may die listening to this message, eating breakfast, at work, on a jog, at the gym, or in your sleep. What a price to pay, and to pay it for ages and ages, for all of eternity. No hope of a Redeemer ever again. No more Jesus coming down the road. When he says it is finished, it will be finished. Listen, I'm not trying to spook you into believing. If that is your motivation to try and enter into the born-again experience, then no, don't do it. You must see that you are so missing the mark according to God's standards that you loathe yourself. You must come to hate your constant sinning against God, while at the same time hurting others or yourself. You must know the price Jesus paid. The eternally high price was not paid for so that you would stop sinning. Jesus' cross experience, in part, removed the obstacle of sin so that we could get to know God without the hindrance of sin. If you sin after you are born again, then it does nothing more than add greater value to the cross event. It's the gift that keeps on giving, but by all means move away from the things that create an appetite for your sins and walk in freedom because it is another benefit of the cross event. Galatians 5.1 So in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, it states, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them a strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Hmm, so what of this? Did you not want the truth in your life? In the movie A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson hit the nail fright on the head when he responded to Tom Cruise's statement, 
I want the truth. To which Jack Nicholson responded, You can't handle the truth. Is that not this scripture? Zoom up with the green screen. We live and breathe the scriptures and all that we say and do, and yet we miss the point of it. So in this scripture, God responds to their rejection of the truth and allows or empowers them to believe the lie. Do you believe anything CNN sputters out? CNBC? CBS? Politicians? Heck, it could be your pastor if he's a plant sent by Satan. We know in today's church they will invite him in if he jingles his pockets. Look, I'm not saying that all churches are trying to get rich. Some are just trying to pay their bills, which is almost as bad as trying to get rich. I just don't see the example of ministry worrying about such things anywhere in the Bible. Paul did make some mention about resources, but only that one church helped him in his ministry at a point in time when he needed resources. Philippians 4, 15, 18. So many churches with address, so few able or willing to do the work of ministry or to help others do the same. Poof, case or cover closed. So if you reject God, you will be deceived and believe the lie. We see it all of the time in world events. It was most obvious to me in 2020. I could not believe how many took the bait, hook, line, and sinker on so many issues that were not shared in truth at all or impartial truths. No discernment, no wisdom, no testing of any spirit. 1 John 4, 1, 3 Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Enough said. Think about that. That was said 2,000 years ago. You still think he's here? Just in case you didn't know, demons don't die. Romans 1, 18, 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness, in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served a creature rather than the Creator, who blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, 
and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So in this passage, we see that God enables those who reject the truth to believe lies and to do things that are known to be unnatural with their bodies. This is happening at an alarming rate these days. Not only are we as Christians not aware that this stuff is of God, but that it is creating a separation between those who know and want to know God and those who don't want to know him or desire his truth. What this doesn't mean is that if you struggle with these things, that you are not his. Korah's rebellion kills a lot of ignorant people. Number 16. King David took a census in 2 Samuel 24, and though he was moved to do so, so that God could judge Israel, God did in fact judge Israel. I call it collateral damage. And yes, God will still and has the ability to judge all men fairly. Continue to fight the battle against such sinful deeds, and one day you will prevail. I think this message should speak to the person who is being saved more than to those who are already born again. And the reason is that time is short and the cost of a wrong decision or procrastination is beyond comprehension for the one who ends up in hell. It should be noted that for the one who is already born again, that what few things that are laid out in this message is a reason why we walk in a peaceful urgency as we work to fulfill our ministry. I have already unfolded the Works for Salvation message if you want to get a better understanding as to why we should avoid at all costs being an armchair Christian. Well, that's it for today. I hope you get what you needed to got from this message. And if you got more than you wanted, then give some of it away. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Find a seat and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.